Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar saurians and scalies. I'm your host, Lud Milanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Lucky Eevee, Striker, and Math Machine. Today is our 29th episode, and we're discussing 2005's Danny Phantom episode, Beauty Marked. So, let's get things started. Oh yeah. The Danny Phantom is probably the best show that Butch Hartman ever worked on. And it's the only one that wasn't really ruined as time went on. Although season three was kind of a downgrade from season one and two. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I it mean, did kind of lose very, its footing. It's very great finale. Yeah. Especially with the finale for the most part. But it still remains probably his best show and his most competent show. And this episode, thankfully, is from season two. Now, usually we like to save the talk about our dragoness or when she first appears. But uh, Dorothea first... Dorothea, rather. Uh, she first appears in the first 10 seconds of the episode. So, yeah, we're going to start talking about it right now. She previously appeared in the episode Parental Bonding, and her whole gimmick is she has an amulet that can turn her from a like, ghost princess into a dragoness. The reason we're talking oh, yeah. about this episode compared to Parental Bonding, she's actually more predominant in this one. And I like her little human design here. Like, the dress is clearly, like, her scale design. The amulet is being around her neck. And even with, like, the uh, hair almost being, like, the fronds of her, uh, the fronds of her dragonist form. Those are all really, really cute details in that. Her yeah. hands are, you know, done up to be, like, talons. If you look at them in the gloves. And even the background of the stage she's on has a really gigantic prop of a dragon, which... All real fun attention to detail. You can tell that the character designers had a lot of fun making up this little uh, human uh, disguise. We'll talk more about her uh, dragoness uh, appearance later on, because that'll be a lot more predominant. Mm. But, yeah, in this episode, she's voiced by Suzanne Bl- uh, Blakely, uh, who also voiced Wanda on Fairly Odd Parents. She was voiced oh. by uh, Gray Griffin, a.k.a. Gray DeLisi, in the uh, first episode, Parental Bonding. I don't know why Butch changed voice actors here, but... I kind of like this voice a little bit better for her, to be honest. Yeah, I kind of like it too. It it's very it honestly uh, makes her feel like a little more prone, but also makes her it also when uh, it also gives her a uh, more dominant moment, a little more oomph, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. It definitely gives her uh, that kind of a uh, that kind of feeling. So yeah, uh, she basically is there to announce a beauty contest for the school. Uh, much to uh, Sam Manson, a.k.a. the goth girls, dismay. Uh. 2000 uh, cartoons really loved goth girls for some reason. I guess it was like in the zeitgeist, but still, it's funny to think. It's like, do we even have those kind of, you know, girls anymore? Goth girls and cartoons and whatnot? Funny to think about. But yeah, uh, Tucker, meanwhile, wants to be a judge. And Tucker was kind of like Brock from Pokemon, that he was always kind of, you know girl chasing and he was also obsessed with technology which we'll see later on in the episode meanwhile we get a pretty cool uh fight with danny versus a medieval executioner ghost and i'm gonna say this right now the ghost designs on danny phantom are always some of the best parts of the show mm-hmm. mm. oh yeah, yeah they, they usually were yeah 
So uh, the ghost uh, drags him onto the stage, and Danny goes back to his human guise because Danny Phantom is his superhero alter ego. And uh, Dorothea instantly announces that Danny's going to be the judge of the contest. We then cut to uh, Prince Aragon watching over this before he turns into a dragon, and his design is pretty much identical to Maleficent's. Which you know, same oh, yeah. exact color scheme. Oh, yeah. You know, he he has regular pupils rather than just like totally you know solid green eyes. But otherwise, like, it's pretty much yeah. Yeah, he's pretty much if the evil. It's pretty much if the king from freaking uh, Sleeping Beauty was the dragon instead of yeah, Maleficent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's voiced by uh, D. Bradley Baker, who's an excellent voice actor with literally hundreds of credits. If you've watched a cartoon, you you've heard this guy before. He's up and, there with freaking uh, Frank Welker and Fred yeah, Patasquar. I'm sorry exactly, if I pressed your exactly. name, but yeah. Yeah, and even though he's called Aragon, he's not the one from Lord of the Rings, so we're just getting that out there right now. He doesn't He doesn't say, my friends, you bow to no one that, in this episode. Uh, yeah, quick quick fix there. Uh, it's Aragorn, yeah. not Aragon. Oh. It's... <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're no, well, that ruins my joke. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> we have the, of course, theme song, which is a banger and absolutely slaps, and I hope nobody skips it. Then we have the title card, which Danny Phantom always had really cool comic book style title cards for every episode, and this one is no exception. I, again, it's a really neat attention to detail that I liked. Like, every episode had a unique title card that basically summarized what the episode was while making it seem like it's a comic book cover. That's a very nice touch. I honestly yeah. like more like I mean the closest we get nowadays to that sort of thing is Kid Cosmic and the Planetary Defenders or something like that. And the Rings of Power, sorry. I, I I definitely can see that. It's something that really is kind of a lost art when you think about, it. you know, unique title cards for cartoons. Nowadays, it seems like they slap the title over the footage or they use like a generic one. But yeah, uh, Danny is basically getting all the attention from all the female students over the beauty contest. We find out that uh, Sam signed up for the contest not to win, but to make a statement about true beauty. The satire on beauty contest is it's a little on the nose, but it is still kind of funny. I would like if they were just a little bit more subtle with it, though, rather than just like outright saying um, you know, that like Dorothy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it would have been a little I, I bit agree. better. Yeah. Yeah. They're asking for subtlety from a cartoon in the early to mid 2000s. I think it's Yeah, yeah, and a Butch Hartman cartoon at that. Yes, yes. Butch Hartman, dear God. Yeah, when it's a Butch Hartman cartoon, there is no such thing as subtlety. Yeah, I think you guys are being a little too vague here. Yeah, especially with the ghosts in this. We'll get to that later, but yeah. Yeah, yeah we definitely will definitely see it. So yeah, Danny and Tuck, while uh, Dorotea is basically uh, over, basically uh, overseeing all the girls, including Sam, who she has kind of a distaste for, uh, we, we see uh, Danny and Tucker talking about the girls that they're going to date before the executioner ghost uh, shows up again. And the fight scene with uh, Danny versus the executioner ghost is good. But it's intercut with preparation for the beauty contest and, you know, Sam not being into it and doing things to try to, you know, uh, basically sabotage like her wearing fake vampire fangs or doing like uh, another girl's makeup to have like the, you know, gothic uh, oh, man. attributes to it. And yeah. I don't know, it feels kind of a shame that they cut away from the fight to it because, again, Danny Phantom's fight scenes were some of the best part of the show. 
Yeah, that's a little bit of a weak moment, but it's not an absolute deal breaker for me. Also, the combat boots on Dorothea's foot. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah, man. that's great, that's great. And of course, uh, it causes Dorothea to be, to very briefly show off her more uh, dragonous nature. Her eyes turn red. Her teeth become like you know uh, fangs and that, and the forked tongue you know pops out of her mouth. Again, that's a really cute attention to detail that you know that they actually did that rather than just have her look annoyed or angry it shows that her you know human disguise is slowly wearing off because of that so we cut to uh sam trying to tell danny about her suspicions but he's too busy just been enjoying his popularity to care which it seemed like this was a lot of very common in cartoons at the time these kind of plots like if you've seen one cartoon from like you know, the early to mid 2000s with this kind of story You've seen a lot of them where a, a guy or, you know, a character is going to be, you know, the judge of a contest. And again, they let the, all the attention go to their head. Again, it, it's a good springboard <laughs> for the rest of the episode, but I feel like uh, it doesn't really you know, break the mold. But that's OK, because, again, this is more of a springboard rather than an actual episode, you know, yeah. idea to be focused on. So we get to see a ghost archer in the lunchroom attacking Danny. And this is another good fight scene. There's a lot of cool moments. The gag where the where Danny grabs the archer's arrows, but it has a stick of dynamite attached to it is a good one. You the should hear comic the boxing book, glove arrow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The comic <laughs> book boom attached to it was good. And one part that I think was actually really cool and something that I suppose I don't know more shows haven't done. You know, Danny steals the archer's quiver of arrows, and he goes like, oh, what are you going to do now? And the archer just beats him over the head with, you know, his bow. He just starts, you know, whacking him with that, which is another really cool moment. Like I said, they very, like I said, I really feel like, you know, that with the ghosts and the fights with the ghosts, interactions with them, I feel like that's where they put all the effort in. The stuff with the I, school feels more like a window dressing than anything else. Oh man, that honestly yeah. reminds me of like uh, the battle between uh, Genji and Hanzo, and like I I see that one. It's like before Hanzo, there was Archer Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh god, that'd be great. That'd be great. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. But yeah, the Archer gets away. But again, Danny doesn't care because he's just too distracted mm-hmm. with the contest to really even notice this. Then <laughs> Ortea, uh contacts uh, Aragon. Basically, she tells her that she basically reveals that the ring keeps her ghost powers from being sensed. And Aragon is revealed to be her abusive older brother. He belittles her for her mistakes and she desperately apologizes, which, again, is a really neat uh, character dynamic. In the first episode with Prince, with, uh, you know, Princess Dorotea, which is, uh, again, the reason we're talking about this one is she has more of a character in this one. She has more of an actual arc of an actual uh, story. In the first one, it felt like they just had a cool concept for a ghost and they didn't really focus on it too much. I feel like she was more of like she was more of like the monster of the week there compared to here where they actually give her, you know, depth and they give her some more and more things to do rather than just be. Oh, oh, it's the enemy. I have to beat this episode as she was in uh, the first one. In mm. fact, uh, she isn't really the dragoness because the amulet turns other uh, people into dragons and dragonesses in that one. And it happens to Sam. It's the same exact uh, dragoness design of Dorotea. But I like in this one how they actually link the dragoness form to Dorotea herself. It's not the amulet. It's like 
it, well, it is, but it isn't. We'll, we'll we'll talk more about that later. But yeah, it also yeah, it's also very interesting to think about like how like uh, there's a running theme like throughout the entire freaking show where like the ghosts have like very strongly implied uh freaking fate that honestly make me curious about Dorothea's case in general. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in we'll a bit as well, we'll but to, yeah. When we get to the uh, ghost zone, we're definitely going yeah, to uh, exactly. get that. But yeah, yeah. It, Danny Phantom can be a very, very dark show when it wanted to be. Probably honestly, one of the yeah. Nicktoons uh, post-Invader Zim and pre-Avatar. This probably was the darkest one they had with a lot of the implications. But yeah, mm. uh, before the contest begins, the executioner ghost shows up and attacks Danny while Dorothea gets a hold of Sam. Uh, Danny avoids the executioner, but then the archer teams up with him and they basically have a pretty neat fight scene. And there's a, and then we cut back to the beauty contest. There's a cute gag with the uh, principal singing a medieval style song. And the principal, I did not know this when this first aired, he's played by Ron Perlman, Hellboy yeah. himself. I forever hear Hellboy and I hear both of the scene from uh, Hellboy uh, Sword of Storms where he's like listening to the uh, go- the floating ghost heads. They're like telling a story where like some guy dies and he's like, ah, very funny. And then I hear like uh, for, now I like hear uh the vice principal Lanter's voice. Like whenever he curses, he does he does like this literate literary thing where he's like Moby Dick or Cask of Amontillado, that sort of thing. <laughs> and I also like, and I see this scene, and I'm just like, Gee. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> yeah, no. Like no, I just definitely... I never see Hellboy doing this, and it's just yeah, it, it is funny. It's it's so funny to think about that. And that this came out around the same time as like the first and second Hellboys are being worked on. So, you know, maybe it was something he wanted to do, and more power to him. Yeah. So, like, the only oh. thing that would have made this medieval style song better is if we had Squidly show up. The king is bad. The king's to blame. Hang your kingly head in shame. Uh. There was a classic SpongeBob episode uh, where SpongeBob and Patrick go back to the Middle Ages. I it, it's remember one that one. These ones, yeah, yeah, it's it's a really really funny one. So yeah, uh, mm. Sam tries to basically get out of the contest because she realizes that you know, Dorothea, there's something definitely wrong with her. Dorothea grabs her arm, and we finally get to see her transform into her dragonous form. Now, the way it's done, it's done with quick cuts. You know, it shows like a couple of parts of her changing, like you know, her foot, her you know. You know, her uh, back and torso, basically, with the wings popping out and that. It's good, yep. but I kind of wish they focused on it longer. But then again, it was like a 22-minute episode with, you know, the opening titles. So they, they definitely probably couldn't focus on it as long as they wanted. But Dorothea's Dragonus form, even in, like, the first appearance, is always nice. And I do like how uh, she's more top-heavy than bottom-heavy. It gives her a unique appearance for, you know, dragons in general. Uh, her red eyes and green horns uh, definitely are something very unique. And the fact that uh, with the animation, you can actually see her scales, not like fully detailed or anything. It's not like, you know, Smaug from Decibel, from like the Hobbit trilogy or anything. But it is still a really good design, especially, again, for this era of cartooning. I feel like they, they really took it to heart with it. And 
even like even like the little details about her, like uh, the way her snout is like a little bit curved up. She definitely is a dragoness who I feel is an underrated one, especially considering how popular Danny Phantom is and that she appeared in, you know, two episodes and there's some characters who only appeared in like one and get a lot more uh, fan art. So, yeah, it's something yeah. that's uh, very interesting. Uh, and again, uh, as I said earlier, Dorotea's Dragonist form was previously seen to be available to pretty much anyone else in the previous episode if they had the amulet. But now it's like she can control it. And this is a way better change in my eyes because it actually gives her more agency rather than it just being the amulet. It's like, oh, she can turn into a Dragonist whenever she wants. It gives her more to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and in this part, she only roars, but of course that changes later on, thankfully. We actually get, you know, dialogue from her in her Dragonus form, but we'll talk about that in a little later. Yep. So yeah, the author and the executioner goes disappear, and Danny heads back to the contest. The talent montage is actually pretty cute how they do it, with like the uh, spinning clock, the, uh, you know, clock wipe. Yeah. And those, you know, various different uh, talents being shown at once, and... That's something that I feel like is actually a unique way to do a montage. I have not seen that in really any cartoon before or since. It's you know, like the same. Yeah, I mean, like the closest we got was like Symbionic Titan and like one episode of iCarly. But yeah. Yeah, other than those, it's like that. They just use like either quick cuts or like fades in and fades out. And I'm surprised more cartoons haven't tried doing more unique uh, montages like this because it is cute. Anyway, uh, Sam's talent, she gets on stage, she recites like a gothic po poem, but she basically uh, woodenly tells her talent while trying to tell Danny that, you know, Dorothea is a ghost. And I love how Danny just doesn't get the hint, even when Sam outright says, you know, Dorothea is a ghost. He has to think about it for a few seconds because he's just so oh, distracted. Shit. Wait, Dora's a ghost? Oh, exactly. Shit. It's like, it's like <laughs> yeah, you know, no shit, Sherlock, what gave you that clue? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Danny, it's time for him to, you know, basically crown who the greedy pageant winner is. He says Sam while chasing after her, which uh, gets the other contestants upset. Dorothea uh, puts the tiara on her, and it causes her and Sam to disappear back to the ghost zone. Now, oh God. Okay. Quick tangent on that. Yeah. Like, it cuts to a joke later where like all the girls are like super pissed at him still. And like it, it, and honestly, like there's this verbal semi, semi meta joke that just honestly made me chuckle a bit where it's like, time to clone with our perfectly manicured fingernails. <laughs> Let's I guess all, the, I guess all the beauty pageant contestants were secretly Wolverine. Oh God. <laughs> But yeah, to go on another little tangent, the ghost zone is kind of a really depressing concept. You know, there's yeah. no, you know, heaven or hell. You just wander in this eternal void for all eternity. It's like, it's like something out of Greek mythology, honestly. You know, like something you'd see in the river Styx. Oh, yeah, it's, like, it's the Shadow Realm. Yeah, oh, I mean, that's true. Yeah. It's, it's going to the Shadow Realm, Jimbo. It's literally just the concept of purgatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is basically Actually, purgatory. Yeah. You can be right about that, but... Oh, God, yeah, you, you said the Shadow Realm. Now I'm upset we didn't get a crossover between Danny Phantom and Jimmy Neutron. Looks like you're going to the Shadow Realm, Jimbo. Ain't that <laughs> whacking crazy? It's just down the street. 
<laughs> next to the Chick-fil-A. I once sat on a banana and my whole life changed. We can do the oh whole podcast just on Hugh Neutron. He, he's amazing. But yeah, yes. uh, Aragon basically uh, getting back to Danny Phantom. Aragon basically decrees that Sam shall be his bride and we get to see Dorothea in her human ghost form, I guess I'll call it, which it looks better than her disguise. Yeah, her you know, her ghost form, but it's her human ghost rather than, you know, the dragonous ghost. I kind of like her uh, like... human disguise a little more than her ghost form. Hot take, but... I can see I can see that. You know, like the, uh, I guess like the realistic skin tone and whatnot, it does look a little bit better. I do like how they made the ghosts a little bit translucent. I think it was more of a thing in season one, but they still kept with that with season two, which is good. I I haven't seen season three in years, so I have no idea if they still kept with it. But that is a really you know nice touch that they did that. But yeah, yeah Sam attempts to escape, but of course the tiara won't come off. And Ortea reveals that she's not all for this either, but Aragon is basically forcing her to do this. So she's stuck. So basically, yeah. she's too uh, weak will to fight against her brother at this time. We get to see, uh, as you said earlier, the go- the girls being upset over Danny. But you know he's not in the, he's not hiding in the bathroom. He and Tucker are already in the ghost zone, and it's revealed that uh, Aragon wants to marry Sam because he wants a human bride. And the reason that they picked Danny is because they reasoned a half ghost, half human would be able to pick out the perfect human for a ghost, which kind of clever. Not gonna lie. Yeah, it's a little weird, but eh. yeah, a little weird with that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we get to see uh, Danny and uh, Tucker riding through the ghost speeder, and when they actually cross the threshold from the normal ghost zone to, I guess we'll call it Aragon's kingdom or whatever, that uh, all technology stops because time literally has stand st- has stood still for centuries there. I'll which, bet. Yeah, yeah. It, that is a nice touch. And another one is that uh, the uh, court member's trumpet has a literal dragon head on it. That's little details awesome. like that, and like the uh, crest over the castle has like a dragon's head on it. It's little touches like that that really show, I think, how much fun they had working on this show compared to you know some of the other stuff at the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Sam basically tries to sabotage her wedding by coming out in like punkish style uh, makeup, deliberately acting rude in that, enraging Aragon, and you know causing Dorothea basically to w- wince inside herself in that. Oh, oh, okay. Weird. Okay, weird thing. But I honestly half expected Aragon to kind of be into that. <laughs> it it honestly, didn't happen yes. first, but I kind of half expected Aragon to like be like, hmm, perhaps there's some fight. Hmm, some fights to this one. Oh, that, that would have been actually way better, actually, if it backfired on her and only made yep. her honestly, her more attractive to him. Yeah, yeah, that actually would have been more creative. But then again, you know, then again, as you said earlier, you know, it's it's Butch Hartman. They probably would have been a little too Hartman. subtle. Yeah. yeah, I don't mean to rag on the guy too much. He made some good shows in that. So, that is true. Yeah. That is true. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Danny is captured by the Archer and the Executioner. Tucker tries to hack into the system, but of course, there is no technology there. He throws the PDA at both of them, managing to defeat both ghosts. Now, which for those is awesome. You, yeah, which is very awesome. Now, for those of you who are probably listening to this podcast and are too young to remember, first thing, first things first, you know, uh, do some research. Second thing, PDAs were kind of like smartphones. They said they really couldn't do anything. Mm. 
Yeah, and they were like the only equivalent of smartphones, except they really couldn't do things. So yeah, all they could do was just give you reminders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like you know, it really was no different than having like you know sticky notes or whatever. Yeah, really. So Eric. So Aragon becomes fed up with Stam and threatens to remove the tiara, which is just what she wanted, which I've always liked this uh, concept in cartoons. You know, it's someone deliberately acting, you know, annoying or whatever to get out of something. I think, like, uh, My Little Pony did it best with Rarity and the Diamond Dogs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> acts annoying to get them to get rid of her. You know, but I thought you wanted whining. I mean, it's hilarious. It's one of the best episodes of season one, in my opinion, just because oh, of that. Man. As he manages to turn the tables on him. It, it, it also perfect. gave us a great Spike meme moment. Exactly. Several yeah, of them. yeah. Yeah, it definitely did. But yeah, oh, before man. that happens, uh, Danny and Tucker arrived to save to save her, which of course means they ruined her plan because he would have taken off the TR, then she could have gotten the hell out of there. And when this happens, Aragon becomes completely infuriated. He turns into a dragon and attacks them and this is probably one of the best parts of the episode in that you can tell that the fight choreography, they really put a lot of care and attention to detail in. Uh, the brambles outside the castle, especially when they are set on fire, that is 100% a reference to Sleeping Beauty right there. That, you know, even like you know, it being set on fire and the flames surrounding, you know, Aragon and with the brambles and whatnot, that is 100% taken from Sleeping Beauty. I would be very surprised if that was not the case. Yeah, I mean, uh, not the worst thing he would have done, but eh. yeah, no, no, it's, it's no problem. <laughs> it's no problem at all. You know, it's just something that you know it's funny to note. But yeah, uh, Sam attempts to get Dorotea back on her side, but Dorotea is a little not sure if she could do that because for centuries her her brothers you know browbeaten her basically, and she's not she's that kind of dick, afraid of yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah, he is, he is definitely. But yeah, Danny is he tries to beat Aragon, but he's unable to. But we get to see Dorotea realizing she's just as powerful as Aragon. She's able to actually remove the tiara from Sam. And then we finally get to see, in my opinion, what is the best, best part of the episode. I know I said the fight between Aragon and Danny was the best part, but this is probably even better when Dorotea shows up in her dragonous form and just like knocks him down and starts, you know, screaming at him at how how abusive she's been to him basically for 1600 years and whatnot. It is yeah. another really good moment, you know, and it really is, you know, it feels cathartic that, you know, he's getting his comeuppance and whatnot. And we finally get to see Danny, you know, actually remove the tiara from Aragon, which means his ability to turn into a dragon has been lost. And I love, again, Dorotea's little reactions here. Like she does a little smirk here, which is a great <laughs> little touch. And you can tell that she's finally so happy that she can now be the dominant one of the two siblings. I and... am the captain now. Look at me. <laughs> I Look at am me. the captain now. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Look at yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm that the alpha a... now, bitch. <laughs> but yeah, Dorotea then uses her fire to basically break, stop time standing still and bring light into the kingdom. And one touch that is really nice is that she stays in her dragonist form even after this, which pretty much indicates that she's more comfortable in her dragonist form than her human one. At least that's what I got out of it, which if that was intentional, that is a really you know nice attention to detail that they did not have to do. And I'm really glad that they did something like that. 
you know, showing that yeah. you know she's more happy now. Now that she can control her dragonous form, and that she's no longer bound to you know use it to help her brother, she can use it to actually you know help the people of the kingdom and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. So uh, Danny returns to the contest where he admits that he didn't pick Sam as a winner, but then of course he chooses her anyway, and. The episode ends with Tucker trying to ask out some of the girls, only for them to chase him. And, yeah, this is a perfectly Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's a great, great moment, too. Oh, I fucking yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, this is a really fun episode. You can tell it, uh, it feels like season two. They got into a good groove with it, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, they did. Could... they did. Yeah, yeah, it felt like season one, they were still trying to find their footing somewhat. It feels like what. Uh, by this time in the show, they are pretty much at a good, uh, well-oiled machine, which kind of makes it happen since season three a little bit of a shame. This would be Dorotea's uh, final appearance until the finale, and Technically. yeah, it's a shame. It, it, I feel it is such a missed opportunity. We didn't get more of her. We could have had more of her in the ghost zone as actually an ally to Danny against other, you know, other villains in the show. It feels like they they had an opportunity and they didn't take it. You could have had her be a reoccurring character, uh, at least you know, at least show up maybe a couple of other times before the finale, basically to help out Danny with uh, some sort of problem and whatnot. Hey, what else is yeah. new with Butch Hartman? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, uh, Danny Phantom, of course, would last for another season, season three, which was actually shortened and. Apparently aired out of order, which made it very confusing when it first aired. And then it would never appear again until it showed up for the crossover promoting Butch Hartman's new show, Bunsen is a Beast. And yeah, the less said about that, the better. That ended up being such a fucking disappointment. Yeah, yeah, because you had Bunsen and the Beast? Bunsen is a Beast. What happened is. To promote Butch Hartman's new show, he made like an animated short crossing over all of his uh, shows. So it was Fairly Odd Parents, Danny Phantom, and Tough Puppy, which, okay, kind of weird. They all exist in the same universe, but okay, whatever. And then I don't it hate ju- it. No, no, it, it can work. It could work, but. It could have worked. Oh, okay, exactly. I, I don't hate. I said I don't hate the concept. I've never seen the thing. No, no, it, it is bad. Oh. It is literally just a commercial for his newest show. You know, it's like they're all like, oh, look, it's Bunsen. You know, you're, it's, it's like on The Simpsons with Gabbo. You're going to like me. You're going to love me. That's what it's like. Oh, God. It, it really feels like, you know, that episode of The Simpsons where they have, you know, Gabbo the dummy. Gabbo, Gabbo, Gabbo. Who's that? I don't know. It must be some guy. Some guy named Gabbo. Oh, yeah. Wow. That was cr- That is cringe. Yeah, no, I know. But yeah, no, basically what happened with uh, Bunsen is a Beast is that it it flopped instantly. Uh, nobody liked it, and it has disappeared. And I don't think we're going to get any new Danny Phantom content, come to think of it, uh, because they're gonna, they are either A, going to have to do a reboot, which if the two Fairly Odd Parents reboots are any indication, they oh, can't God. do that. Oh, God. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no. they had the, the live-action one, which is now Lost Media, which is hilarious, considering the fact that it came out only nine months ago, and now they removed it off of, par- off of their streaming service, and now you can't find it. That's honestly hilarious. Now they're doing another reboot, which really just looks awful. 
Barely odd parents, barely otter. Which yeah, is fucking awful. Yeah, yeah, but they're doing another reboot, which it could be good, but I have my doubts. I have my doubts about current Nickelodeon. Yeah, just it's all Dinkelberg's fault. <laughs> Everything is Dinkelberg's fault. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, this is gonna bring us to uh, the question of the week, which is, uh, what is your favorite action cartoon of the two thousands? And uh, I have probably a unique one for the answer. I know a lot of you are probably going to say, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender. I actually think my personal favorite favorite is Teen Titans. Oh, oh that's a good one. That worked really, really well. It was able to mix, you know, some of the, you know, sillier comedy episodes with some of the most heartbreaking, you know, nightmare fuel inducing stuff on a kid's show ever. It really did like the perfect balance between that and I loved how mature it got actually. Oh, it did. It definitely nice. did. It definitely definitely got that way. And again, it it really shows how the creators of that excuse me. They handled how the so creators many that were able to balance so basically well. the side between uh, you know, comedy and you know outright, you know, dark stuff. You can have an episode where they have like living tofu captures cows for its spaceship, and then the <laughs> next episode, Raven basically has to confront the fact that she is basically destined to destroy the world because her mother made a pact with like literal Satan. It's like Hi, you Trigon. have both of oh, yeah, no. Trigon basically, but yeah, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, he is basically Satan. But yeah, it is a very delicate balancing act, and for some reason, they really got it right. The uh, anime-esque art style, I know a lot of people at the time actually disliked it, but I just feel it's, it's completely iconic now. And yeah, yeah it, it definitely is a show that it really was the absolute, you know, probably one of the best uh, action cartoons of the 2000s. And it is a shame that Teen Titans Go got more episodes than it, let's be real. Okay, the only good thing about Teen Titans Go are the Doom Patrol specials and literally nothing else. Yeah. I heard the movie wasn't too bad, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I haven't I, really seen it. Yeah, honestly, Will Arnett. Will Arnett's There's actually was not two terrible. movies. There's actually two Teen Titans Go movies. Oh, fuck. There's just the one. What was the other one? Uh, the other one was Teen Titans. It was basically just uh, the two series against each other. Wow. Oh, the okay. special, yeah. How oh, do they, God. How do they justify that? Because it's two totally different things. It's like having Spongebob show up in like Avatar The Last Airbender. It's like the tones don't mix at all. It's like, how do you do that? Oh, Honestly. I agree. Poorly. Yeah, I could definitely, well, definitely you would do it poorly. So yeah, uh, Angram, what would you have to say is your favorite uh, action cartoon of the uh, 2000s? Oh man, Teen Titan is going to be a little hard to beat, but there were several action shows that I have seen. I can't really just pick one. But I will say this, that for the time, it was either going to be something, either one of the Alan Burnett shows from uh, Kids WB, Samurai Jack, or pretty much Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, which is honestly what I'm going to go for, Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. Like, don't get me wrong. Yu-Gi-Oh! GX was good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I do know some of the cracks. Jaden hasn't 100% aged well. As much as he did when I was very young. But, oh man. Revisiting GX was definitely an overall worthy treat. Like, there there were a lot of moments there that I was very surprised at. 
And honest, and honestly, just oh man, I I still hold the elemental heroes in high regard to this day. Oh yeah, I even made my own. I I'm even making my own elemental hero deck actually. So nice. I'm planning on doing the same. But anyways, as I was saying, I also I also really also as much as he didn't uh 100% age that well i 100 percent loved I, I i still i still like Jaden. he's up there he's oh, not yeah. he's not as per he's not as char- charismatic as yuya or as awesome or flawless as uh you as uh yugi moto yami yugi or yusei fudo let's be fair but very true man he he definitely brings an energy to things that like he basically did uh yuma sukumo and yuya first but uh yuya did Jaden better i'll I'll put it that way for the most part but yeah I, i'm definitely going with yugio gx okay uh math machine uh it's also my favorite show just of all time samurai jack like, oh no yeah contest, samurai jack. nice 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 Oh man, Samurai Jack! Uh, Tartakovsky is an animation genius. The oh, storytelling yeah. in that oh, was definitely. brilliant. Just all the uh, references to uh, uh, classic movies uh, and classic shows. Uh, how it worked both episodically and just as a series as a whole. You could just pop in anywhere, and you knew what was going on. But at the same time, you saw as uh, the show progressed just the slow canon that it was building. It was great. Absolutely. I also kind of want to bring up uh, TMNT 2003 as well. That was was a fun one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that was interesting because I think that... TMNT 2003. Same. saw the movie, too. I didn't know if it connected to 2003 or not, but I still love it. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Stryker, what would you have to say is uh, your favorite uh, action cartoon from the 2000s? Um, is it weird if I say Powerpuff Girls? No. By all means, go right ahead. Not because I actually grew up with that when I was... I, I, it's another show that I grew up with, as well as um just a sh- another show that I watched with my sister growing up. Yeah, it's up there in the top ten for me as well. Like, nothing against uh, freaking uh, Dexter's Laboratory or the like, but Powerpuff Girls, just, oh man. It, it kind of petered out in the final season. Probably because Lauren Faust came in, was like finding her footing at that point. But yeah, I, I yeah. absolutely did love Powerpuff Girls. Like I watched the entire series fairly recently, and I really loved it. Oh, oh, it's classic. It's oh, classic yeah. for a reason. It's it's amazing. It got away with a lot of the stuff when they did, but it really. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> measuring yeah. manhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, they God. got Wait, away with a lot that? of stuff. What episode was that? Yeah. But also, uh, the last season of Powerpuff Girls, uh, it wasn't really done by Lauren Faust. It was done by uh, Chris Savino. And I think what happened was the crew were kind of burnt out after the Powerpuff Girls movie, both the making and the fact that it sadly uh, was a bomb at the box office. So I think their hearts weren't in anymore. Plus, uh, Craig was working on Fosters at the time. So they really Mm. just had like one season to get through. And they could definitely tell it was the weakest of the show. Same thing that happened Mm. with Dexter. For the most part, yeah. yeah. Speaking of Chris yeah, Savino, didn't he go on to work on freaking uh, Loud House? Yes, he did before uh, he got fired for some uh-huh. very bad things. Yep. 
So uh, anyway, oh, uh, Lucky Evie, what would you have to say is uh, your favorite uh, action cartoon of the 2000s? Uh, I didn't watch it too much when it came out, but Down and Poe. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. nice. Oh, nice. yeah. I feel like that was really the start of when Ash started getting good. For the most part, yeah. Another reason I... why I actually really enjoyed um, Diamond and Pearl, actually, was like, that was actually when Ash was a real character. Yeah, mm. yeah. Compared to, like I say, what would happen later on. For the most yeah, part, you yeah. never did him dirty, but you got better with by X and Y. Yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. Yeah, thankfully they actually managed to uh, kind of revive themselves in a way, especially with the uh, Sun and Moon as well. But yeah, yeah. everything after X and Y is a gold mine. Yeah, it felt like they yeah. just had that little hump to get over, but once they did, it felt like the show really got better. Yep. Yeah, that's oh, very absolutely. Cool. Oh, and by the way, I, I actively had to look at when Down and Pole came out. When did it no, come all right. out? It's all good, it's all good. See, uh, now it's it is... 2007, so it counts. Yeah, no, it definitely oh. counts, definitely counts. Yeah, oh, it definitely does. Yeah. Yep, so now it is time for the uh, patent-pending Dragonus scale, where we finally get to talk about a Dragonus again, because we just had six weeks talking about dinosaurs, so that's good. Yeah, so yeah very good. Uh, if we're going just If we're going by... Both this episode and Beauty Mark, the first one she appears in, I'm going to give her uh, a total score of 8 out of 10. I really like her. I like her design. I like the voice. I like the fact that, you know, she actually became more of an ally than an enemy. I feel like, again, the only thing that's holding her back from an even higher score, they really could have done more with her. They really, you know, they could have had her show up more as an ally to Danny, you know, basically helping him out with various ghosts and whatnot. You really, they had an opportunity, and I feel like they didn't really take it. Well, it's a really minor so. nitpick, all things considered. I'm glad we got what we got, and that she wasn't just like a one-and-done appearance like some dragonesses. That the fact that they actually brought her back and they fleshed her out, you know, they gave her an actual character arc, they gave her a story, they actually gave her dragonist form more time to shine. It really, I'm glad that they did that. And again, uh, just wanting more of her is kind of like a little nitpick. But at the same time, I can't really give her a higher score. I, I really would love to, but I feel like 8 out of 10 is perfect for where she's at. So, yeah. uh, Angron? Um, let's see. Given her past and given the overall episodes that she appeared in before this one, and as well as this one for that matter... I am going to have to say, honestly, an 8 out of 10 works. Like the, I liked her a little bit more, but not enough for me to really, like, uh, give her anything higher. Like, she has an implied, like, uh, fate that she ultimately suffered, and I, for one, absolutely want to find out what that is. Screw you, Butch Hartman, for making it very vague. But whatever. I... I uh, but overall, yeah, I do agree that she needed more, like, uh, time. Like, she was built up, she was, like, built up for the most part to be, like, an established, like, side character for the most part, which I honestly would would have loved to see more in the series. But, yeah, unfortunately, I can't rank her any higher because th she had so much potential, but ultimately got a little squandered. So, yeah. I'm yeah, she does have wasted potential. Yeah. What about you, so, Striker? Um, yep. What did you guys rate her? Uh, we both 10. gave her eight out of ten. I think I'm gonna have to go agree with that. Actually, 
Nice. Okay. Any any particular reason? Uh pretty much what you guys covered. Nice. Okay. That's right. So uh math machine, what would you have to give her? I'm just gonna keep uh this going. I'm also an eight. Wow. Uh, I I've already said in the Fairly Odd Parents episode that I love Butch Hartman's style for how he designs dragons. It just really nice. works for Western dragons. Uh, so visually speaking, she is top notch, one of the best. Oh, absolutely! Definitely, definitely. Uh, if it was and, uh, alone, she would be a nine out of ten. But yeah, and yeah, Suzanne Blakesley using her Timmy's mom voice for the character works. Yeah. Way better than it has any right to. Yeah, I actually <laughs> nice. heard a little bit more Wanda in that, but I can definitely a little bit, see it. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. a personal thing. Like some people might hear more Wanda, some people might hear more Timmy's mom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my my issues are she's just not used enough, and I actually did dock a point for this. Uh, this is just me being weird. Uh, I didn't like that they changed her dragon voice from. Uh, uh, well, to Suzanne Blakesley from Kevin Michael Richardson. I really liked that dragon voice, and when they got rid of that, I was like, oh, that's a downgrade. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like it does kind of make the dragon more her own thing compared to yeah. you know, in the previous one. I mean, there's a way you could have kept it, but I feel like her using her own voice kind of is a little justified, and then it's showing that she's becoming a little bit more comfortable at it. At least that's what I read out of it. Oh, I absolutely agree with that, and I don't have an argument against that. My point is just I like anything with Kevin Michael Richardson and the man. Oh, no, no, he's great. He's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no no argument about Kevin Michael Richardson. Yeah. Yeah. More of him is always, always great. So, yeah, Yeah. uh, Lucky Evie? I guess six. Okay, six. Uh, Any particular reason? Well, no, not really. That's Mm. right. Okay, so uh, if you have any questions or if you want to tell us that you ain't afraid of no ghost, feel yeah. free to email us at fieryDiscourse at Outlook.com or visit us, visit us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash FieryDiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 2016 My Little Pony Friendship is Magic episode, Gauntlet of Fire. That's going to be a lot of fun for a lot of reasons. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're finally going there. So, yep, that'll be uh, next week's episode. And until then, thank you guys so much for listening, and take care. Yep, laters. Peace out. Adios.